0: Welcome back to The Bone Zone on 94.3-1047K News. I'm Dr. Raj Sinha from Star Orthopedics. I'm joined in studio by Coach Tom Flores. We were just talking about his hip condition. And what I was saying was that the underlying problem that led to the bursitis was actually not even related to the hip so much as it was related to your knee. You've actually developed some arthritis in your knee, and your knee is becoming a little knock-kneed. And so the tendon that runs all the way from your hip down to your knee, called the iliotibial band or IT band, had become very tight and contracted. And that was really the problem that was going on with your hip. So a little bit of physical therapy and a little bit of uh, biological treatment with the platelet-rich plasma. And we've seemingly gotten that to a point where it's very manageable. But uh, tell me about your knee now. So you've developed some bone-on-bone arthritis in your knee, you've got the, the slight deformity that I just mentioned, and you've got this tight IT band, but most of your pain is on the outside of your knee.
1: Most of it's on the outside, and right now there's no pain. But I can feel the grinding sometimes when I when I go from a certain position and stand up. But I can function well. There's no aching, and sleep is not a problem. Uh, so the, so far, it's a, And I know it's not a cure-all, but uh, it has worked to a point where I'm comfortable and don't need to do any knee replacement or even think about it right now.
0: Yeah, which is yeah. You know. If we can avoid that, that's sort of the, the goal, you know. Um, somebody, somebody jo- actually it was the jokingly said, you know, as a surgeon, I'm trying to put myself out of business with this biological treatment, avoid <laughs> yeah. you know, get people out of surgery. <laughs> but, you know, interestingly, in your situation, we had tried cortisone inside the joint for the straight bone-on-bone type of pain, which is a very common treatment. But it really, you didn't really respond to that. Because even though the problem is the arthritis, it was more the, the tendon that was being contracted on the outside. And so when we did the PRP injections for you, I focused more on the tendon. Mm. And uh, I think the first treatment gave you like partial pain relief. And it was the second one that really sort yeah. of put you over the, over the top.
1: Yeah. It's not an overnight cure uh, or, or uh, total cure, but you're right. It took more than one uh, one attempt and uh, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we continued. I'm glad we didn't just say, well, that's it. You know, that's the way it is. And, uh, and you didn't, you know sharpen your knife and put a new piece of something in there for
0: <laughs> and, you know, I,
1: one of, a dog, another friend of mine in says it is always best to have your own parts <laughs> <And> i agree <laughs> oh
0: no no doubt about that i tell people that all the time you know yeah. your god-given parts are definitely your best parts and you think about it you know most of my patients are in their 60s and 70s by the time they get their hips or their knees replaced um that means that their god-given parts lasted 60 or 70 years and the stuff that we make, the mechanical stuff, we think is going to last 30 years. But that's still only half the time of what, yeah. of what God gave you. So, yeah, it's always better to keep your own parts yeah. if you can.
1: When God gave us this body, I don't think it was meant to play football. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were telling me a story about your first shoulder surgery.
1: Oh, yeah. I was a, I was a senior in college, and and uh, I'd had a real good junior year, and I was ready to go high in the draft. But, but I hurt my shoulder and uh knocked my shoulder down i guess you could call it uh, where the uh, the bone from the clavicle and the uh, the head of the humerus were almost rubbing when i threw the ball so i had a constant uh sore shoulder wasn't able to throw the ball all week. and when that word got out i didn't even get drafted draft day so i ended up going to canada instead and then ended up having surgery so the doctors uh at that time uh, there was no arthroscopic surgery or or uh, minimally invasive, n- yeah, none, none, none of this uh, stem cell or whatever <laughs> we have now. And uh, so they said, let's try this. We'll go in, and and they uh, they went in and, and separated all the muscles and tendons, and they sawed off a piece of bone that was causing the uh, irritation, and then put but they put everything back together. But it took well over a year for my shoulder to heal, uh, whereas today. With the scope, the way you guys do things, that would have been um, that would have been a, that wouldn't have been a very difficult operation. I don't think because they could have just gone in with the scope and, and snipped off the piece, and the recovery would have been a lot better.
0: Yeah, if it was if, from what you were describing, what they did was they they did a procedure called a Mumford procedure where they took mm-hmm. the end of the clavicle bone, the collarbone, off to create that space, and, to, and one of the ligaments there gets really tight. But really, the problem is that the 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 balance of the muscles in the shoulder are problematic. And that's why the humeral head, the upper part of your arm bone, is riding up against your, your collarbone. And so the first step is always rehabilitate the muscles, get them stronger so that the muscles actually function to bring that arm bone down away from the collarbone. So that's the first step. And then you're right, surgically, that procedure would be 45 minutes, three one-quarter-inch incisions.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tiny. <laughs>
0: And that, and they'd probably have you throwing within eight weeks, yeah, as opposed to a year, yeah, which which is what it took
1: you. So yeah, it was, it was a long time. I just, uh, and then when I did start throwing, I came back too soon, and that even prolonged the, the recovery. And so, I, but fortunately, um, i uh that was 1960 when I tried out with the Raiders, and uh, been in football a long time, Doc. <laughs>
0: it, it's funny how things happen, though. Think about it: if you hadn't had that injury. And you had another good, a good, you a good senior year after a good junior year. You would have been drafted by the NFL, yeah. probably not the AFL at that time, hmm. and you might not have this long, you know, 60-year history with the Raiders. Well, a have. lot of things
1: that happened, a lot of good things that happened uh, in the American Football League and and with the Raiders, and I've been a Raider most of my life. So, um, so a lot of good things. You're right. You know, it just took advantage of the situation and uh, never gave up.
0: Yeah, true story. I mean, it's a true yeah. a true case of when one door closes another door opens. Yep. It, it, you mentioned though just how things have improved. It's it, c- talking about what was being done in the 60s. I mean, for example, you know, I'm a knee surgeon. We see a lot of patients now, I do, who had open meniscectomies back in the 70s. So they'd make, you know, about a 2 or 3 inch incision, go in and take out a cartilage and for a lot of guys, that was a career ender back yeah, in those days.
1: Sure was. ACL was a,
0: definitely a career ender because we couldn't even reconstruct the ACL very well back in the 60s and 70s.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of lot of great players. Their uh, careers came to me, especially running backs. You get an ACL, that was it. You were over because you, you come back maybe, but you, you were just uh, limping and uh, probably, uh, you know, be ha- handicapped the rest of your life with it but uh the way the, and also they would put you they would put you in a full cast mm-hmm. from hip to ankle for a, a simple knee operation yeah for like six and weeks, weeks. Very, yeah very yeah hard. and yeah. when you came out your leg had shrunk uh and you know fortunately i didn't have any knee problems when i was uh, in that era mm-hmm. um, but boy i tell you nowadays uh, the uh, sports medicine is a huge huge business nowadays
0: well, and the techniques have gotten so yeah. good and I mean, what we're learning now is that, yes, we've got these great surgical techniques, they're minimally invasive, athletic people and 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 uh, world class athletes can get back to their sport a lot quicker. but we're also learning that if we supplement things with the biological treatments that we can even get people back faster yeah. and with better, stronger repairs. You know a classic example cortisone, I'm talking about cortisone right it's a, it's it's been the mainstay of treatment in orthopedics for 50 years. You you have an ache or a pain, you strain this, you get a cortisone shot, and you feel better. Well, now we know in the shoulder that if you do even one cortisone shot for a rotator cuff tear, rotator cuff tear is very common. I mean, half my listeners probably have a, uh, a tear. If you even do one cortisone injection, that diminishes the strength of the surgical repair compared to if you never did an injection at all by about 30 or 40%. That is a huge amount. And now suddenly it's starting to click why a lot of people who've had these chronic tears get a lot of cortisone, then they finally have surgery and a lot of the surgeries don't work out so well. And so now a lot of the shoulder guys are saying, I don't want to do cortisone on you at all. I'm going to rehab you. I'm going to do biological treatments like PRP or stem cells. And if that doesn't work, we operate sooner rather than later. Let's not delay this thing. Because if you wait too long, that, that tendon, that tissue gets so poor that it never heals as well. Yeah. And the crazy thing is you were talking about how in your era, you know, it was sort of the dark ages. I've been in medicine now about 33 years when I started medical school, 33 years ago. Some of the stuff we were doing when I was a medical student, you know, now we just kind of scratch our heads about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. We did that? Wow. Wow.
0: And, yeah. and I look at some of the things that I do as a joint replacement surgeon and I think, a generation from now, or maybe two generations from now, the doctors are gonna look back and say, "Oh man, those guys were so barbaric."
1: Oh, I know that. Yeah, man. you're right. You're right. I I'd look. I, I've been in the business long enough to know and see it change. And I was. I always took interest in in as a, you know, a player and what was going on uh, medically. And uh, when I became a coach, uh, I, I asked a lot of questions of the doctors and and um, seen a lot of improvement over the years. And uh, seen a lot of careers end because of uh, of the lack of improvement.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I mean, fortunately for a lot of the athletes, it, because our techniques have gotten better, they're able to get back to their careers. I think another thing that's really missed though is that if you're an athlete in a professional on a professional team, that team has a huge investment in you, and so their doctors and trainers are on you to rehabilitate and do everything correctly. Um, you know, I, I used to help take care of the Philadelphia Eagles back when I was in Philadelphia, and the, the level of care that those athletes got compared to the average person was dramatic. And there's no doubt that all that stuff that they get, all that cutting-edge medicine— really allows them to get back as quickly as they do and we're fortunate to have it the big challenge for us as doctors is how do we get that same level of care to our patients when the insurance companies are standing in our way yeah. but i digress that's a topic for another day you're <laughs> yeah. listening to the bone zone on ninety four three one zero four seven k news back after these messages